1: Good morning, I'm Dan Co with you on Your Money. So to close up the month and to break down the latest market developments, let's welcome on the show the one and only Willie King, the founder of Dividend Titan. Good morning, Willie. Hey, good morning, Dan. How are you? <laughs> good so far. We're finally on to Friday. It took us a long, long time to reach here, but <laughs> I'm glad we made it through. Yeah, Good job waking up 4am for this week though. Any plans for the weekends? ooh, plans for the weekends, not up to much, actually, Well perhaps I'm just gonna stay home and just recoup from this week's uh work. Yeah, mm. Workload. What about yourself?
0: Well, for me, I'm going to bring my kids down to the playground this evening because it's mm. the um, mid-autumn festival. So, ah. I'm going to play some lanterns, um, enjoy some mooncakes. But they're probably going to just go run around with their friends.
1: Yeah, it brings back memories, right? With the little, um, what do you call that? The the firecrackers, right? Oh, yes. And the lanterns as well.
0: Yeah, and my wife just got it yesterday. So, you ah. know, it's, it's 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 not very frequent. You can actually do it on any other days. Exactly.
1: So, yeah. All right, I and mean, I mean, this sounds very, very exciting. I'm uh, happy for you, Willie. Now let's jump into what's happening in the markets and talk about, you know, the US stocks which rebounded yesterday and that comes against the backdrop of tech giants which drove the Nasdaq 100 higher and most notably we've got shares of AMD rising 5% a day after Microsoft's Technology chief said that the chip maker is bolstering its position in artificial intelligence where NVIDIA dominates. So far this year, NVIDIA's shares have tripped almost tripled while AMD is up about, you know, a modest 60%. So what do you make of this latest market movement by AMD? And will we see a day where AMD overruns NVIDIA?
0: Mm, so this is actually very interesting. So essentially what Microsoft... Um, technology chief, what what they basically want is that they they're actually pointing out that look the whole AI team is actually growing mm. and it's really on riding on the back of a you know the new technology revolution. So Nvidia and AMD both of them, you know, they, they do dominate the market but it's N- NVIDIA which really dominates the AI chip market. On the other hand, you know, you have AMD uh, which is also frankly, trying to compete with the monopoly um, and you have right now Microsoft coming to offer, um, you know, have saying that, you know, they, they are looking for a long relationship um, spanning PCs, game consoles and the cloud. So if you see for Microsoft, right, it has mm-hmm. offered some AMD GPUs to its Azure cloud customers mm-hmm. in addition to powering some of its computers and its Xbox consoles with AMD chips. So... This, this whole idea, right, of manufacturing chips, semiconductor really comes into play where you are talking about the Internet of Things, you are talking about how many of these businesses, you know, it's, it's all really uh, embedded into our lives these days. And I guess it will bode well for AMD, um, largely because there are more and more technology companies which are moving towards artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. not just Microsoft, You also have uh, Amazon, Alphabet, Apple, uh, and even Meta platforms as well. So the need for this um, graphics processing unit doesn't just come from NVIDIA, but AMD as well is slowly playing that catch-up.
1: Very interesting you pointed out there. And yes, I mean... And, and uh, Microsoft and AMD, they are considered as long-time partners as well. So I suppose this kind of like further steps down and, and uh, confirms the, the long-term partnership that they have. And also it suggests a brightest prospects for uh, and, uh, AMD as well. Now, on that backdrop, we've also got CEO Lisa Su thinking that AI is moving too quickly for any competitive modes to be set in stone. And that comment came during the... Uh, the conference that happened yesterday as well. Tell us more about what you think about this and um, what does this suggest about the future of the AI ecosystem really.
0: Yeah I think it's very interesting from what she has pointed out. I mean she did say that you know on on one hand she's it seems like she's actually quite modest about what the like the whole potential of the future lies ahead. But on the other hand also I mean look this is the CEO of AMD, and of course, you know they are actually playing catch up to Nvidia. So, talking about you know um, how AI is actually moving too quickly for any competitive modes to be set in, it really comes at a point where she believes that look, there is actually a very much bigger pie here. So it's very difficult to say, okay, is Nvidia going to be at the top or is the, you know, the top player currently in GPU processing, I think, is it going to actually stay at the top? Um, Are there any other players coming out as well? So it really remains to be seen because she did mention, you know, when you think about modes, markets where people are not really wanting to change things a lot, um, it's really all about looking at the consumer behavior because Mm. as you reach an inflection point and when people start to adopt more of this technology you know whether if it's you know 10 years 15 years or 20 years from now things are really going to change really fast and she believes that in this at this time, it's very difficult to actually say, you know, how things will really evolve. I mean, it's mm. really a lot like other e-commerce startup platforms as well, right? You have mm. you can build one platform today thinking that you might be the monopoly, but hey, the next day or the day after, you can have other e-commerce players coming in to take over you mm. and, you know, put in as the top position.
1: Yeah. In fact, we're still seeing how, you know, AI is developing over the years as well. There's a lot of experiments here. In fact, we've been seeing a lot of developments in the AI space. So I suppose they will be moving in tandem with, or at least the AMD and Nvidia will be exploring and to see how this scene develops. So. Yeah, it certainly would be hard to consider what is considered a moat in this space. Now, let's stick to the same tech theme and talk about the code conference which happened yesterday. And it saw ex-CEO Linda Yaccarino, that's the company that's formerly known as Twitter, announcing that they will be profitable by early of next year. And it's a big statement for a company that, you know, they didn't turn an annual profit in its first 13 years and has struggled to maintain profitability since, let alone for a company that was bought by Elon Musk only just a year ago. So Willie, do you agree with her or is she just a little too ambitious about uh, next year's plan?
0: Yeah, I think in this case, if you see again, you know, it all boils back down to the tech revolution. So what's really happening here is that the pace of AI change over the last years has actually been really, really rapid. Mm. If, if you see, you know, uh, what, what what has gone on, you have uh, pixelated photos. Right now, you have pixelated photos with se- seven-fingered hands uh, giving way to photo re- realistic images, which you can actually control. So it's a lot like how you're looking at, you know, twenty years ago, the first Mission Impossible show mm. where you have Tom Cruise trying to look, uh, use his fingers to actually do touch screen on the thin air Mm. and then of course you also have chatbots that once um, knew nothing about what has gone on beyond uh, mid-2021 are also Augmenting their web-based training with input from voice, images, and current events as well. So the chat box, the chatbots are actually um, learning languaging processing or languaging models, mm. just so that they can come out with their own outputs. And any company that can plaster any AI label on their products is really you know look, looking into this whole AI theme itself. So on one hand, it seems like it seems like she can be quite bullish. But on the other hand, you can see that realistically speaking, there are a lot of um, technology, uh, new products, new services coming yeah. out into the market.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's constantly a new development in this space as well. What, what, would, what do you think were some of the biggest takeaways of the Code Conference and in the name of AI?
0: Mm. So there's, there's one which um, stood up for me is at the end of the day, human connection still remains very important. So, a lot of people, they tend to see that, okay, with AI, I can sort of shy away from social settings. You know, I don't have to actually leave my home. At all. Mm. You know, for example, right, with AI these days, one, one can actually sit at home and not leave the house you know, for days or even months because, number one, you don't have to go out to buy your groceries or your food. You can simply order delivery through your apps. You know, you can do everything all at home, working from home remotely as well, as long as you're plugged into the internet, mm. as long as there's a Wi-Fi connection. Having said that, um, human connection still remains um, important here. So just a bit on the softer side, um, during the conference, you have HBO CEO Cassie Blocks said that although... AI may assist writers, he doesn't foresee a world in which the entire creative process is performed by computers, nor does he want to live in such a world. So Mm. human connection still remains as important, as critical um, as AI comes into picture.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't want to live in a world where everything is controlled by AI, would you?
0: Mm. Uh, I mean, AI is, for me, I, I would think that AI is not really about Controlling, but it's more of how we, it complements each other. Yeah, here.
1: exactly. So this is how
0: I how I actually mm. see it. So the more AI comes into the picture, I think the more we have actually have to use to think about how AI is supposed to actually be helping us and not trying to distract us.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a very good point you brought up there as well. It's supposed I mean, we should be able to distinguish humans from machines in an AI world. And it's like what you said, I can agree with you 100%. It's meant to complement us and to help us live better lives as well. Thanks a lot for that, Willie. Now, we turn our attention over to China, sticking to the same tune as well, and talk about Huawei. And they've been, it looks like this week, they've been getting a little bit of uh, an attention because, um, you know, by the standards of gadget business, everything about Huawei's release of its Mate 60 Pro smartphone in late August was quite unusual. I mean, if you think about it, instead of, you know, talking up the device and like, and giving up all sorts of splashy marketing event, the company quietly started selling it online and they didn't reveal several key technical specifications, yet it burned through its inventory in hours. So obviously, consumer demand is right there. So tell us about you know the debut of uh, Huawei's Mate 60 Pro smartphone and what does it suggest about competition in this space?
0: Yeah, so it's quite interesting here. So this is one of the new launches which they actually made and it has actually received a very strong demand. So yeah. Huawei Technologies, um, so far... From a political standpoint, they have been at the, at the center of U.S. attempts to undercut Chinese development for years. Um, in 2019, for example, the Trump administri- administration added the company to the so-called entity list, so trying to curtail some of this um, U.S. technology uh, access to di- uh, access to U.S. technology by some of these Chinese players. So they are effectively destroying some of this huge smartphone business. But Huawei actually sort of changed that tune as they actually launched their Mate 60 Pro. Mm. So that actually sort of seen that despite political issues, despite, despite political tensions, you still have very strong demand. Consumers at the end of the day want to see, okay, whether these smartphones are really value for money, number one, mm. whether they're able to actually meet um, the needs, have the features, and they're able to have that kind of a user interface for consumers to... To use, So, this is something mm. where a lot of consumers can actually um, keep a lookout for.
1: Mm. It's no small sum, by the way. It's We're looking at more than 300,000 units sold in the first two weeks on sale in China. That's the Mate 60 smartphone series. And in fact, it also uses the Kirin 9000S processor that supports the 5g fi- uh, wireless speeds as well so it's starting to dispel some of the mystery around you know the chi- the chinese company's latest devices and it does bring into conversation how they're catching up on or in the semiconductor space as well so really what are your thoughts on this you know what would china's self-reliance or would you, would you think that with the release of huawei's um, newest phone is it already being st- self-reliant in the space of in the semiconductor space and what would this mean for US tech giants like Nvidia and AMD mm,
0: I think that's a very interesting point you made then and I think I'm just going to quickly summarize yeah. what is the the current situation here I mean if you see for China they are trying very hard to actually build up and ramp up their own set of technology mm. actually in fact China already has that kind of technology here I mean if you if you talk to many companies people on the ground um China do have that kind of better technology the only thing is that they don't have the kind of human capital or human talent which that they which, which they want you know from overseas to be able to come in to the country to to set up and build all these uh, factories, all this production at massive scale. So the thing about China is that they. The thing about self-reliance is that there's, there's something which they are trying to move towards too. But at the end of the day, right, global supply chain on manufacturing, on semiconductor manufacturing, is so intricate, it's so I- complex, right? You have different parts of the supply chain located in different parts of the world. Hmm. It's not that even though China is, still, is self-reliant, I wouldn't say that it will be completely self-reliant uh, yep. just by focusing all their supply chain in one country, they still need to rely on different technologies from other countries as well. So mm. while you have this US-China chip war going on, I think this structural issue could actually cause some delays or setbacks to how China thinks about self-reliance in the whole idea of chip making, semiconductor and the smartphone space. On mm. the other hand, right, you would see that um, for NVIDIA, for AMD, all these GPU processors, they, are, they still require the Chinese market to, to, to actually grow and expand. I mean, China is still one of the largest, if not the largest, um, chip manufacturers. And on top of that, they're one of the biggest electronic manufacturing hubs here um, across the world. So, mm. when you're talking about consumer electronics, um, it's very hard to ignore a country like China. So, yeah big GPU processors like NVIDIA and AMD, you can't can't just uh, simply ignore this country here. Mm. Um, What probably would be tricky or sensitive is probably the chips which are used for military applications, for example, or high-end AI technology. So I guess that's something which um, the issues surrounding the US-China politics Mm. are actually alluding to.
1: Yeah. Uh, and it's like what you've mentioned, it's hard to ignore, right? So we've got, you know, companies from the likes of AMD, Intel, and NVIDIA developing a modified chip for training AI models for the China market so they wouldn't be subjected to the rules imposed by the Biden administration. And, I mean, if we take a look at things like at the broader look at things, right, okay? Uh, It's a huge bet that China is making right here. I mean, especially considering the the slump that the economy is in right now. You know, the Chinese government has laid out plans to spend more than $150 billion in its domestic semiconductor industry between 2014 and 2030. That's about seven years from now, with the goal of building about 70% of the chips needed for smartphones, automobiles, computers, and other products. So, I mean... Whether they can reach their goal or not, I wish them all the best. But uh, we'll have to wait and see uh, as a, as the years goes by to see whether the healthy development and competition within the semiconductor space will continue to drive. Now, we're going to play a game of up or down. Very simple. You're going to guess whether a stock, a, a, a stock or a topic is going to be an up or a down. Willie, are you ready? All right, let's go. Okay, first on the list, we have got the US 10-year treasury yield. Mm,
0: so this is... Um, so recently the Alpha Investor Summit in New York which actually happened um, two days ago Mm. um, you have many of the big uh, high-profile hedge fund managers, you know, sharing their views on the macro. And what really stood out to me was Bill Eggman talking about how the 10-year Treasury you could actually test the 5% mark. So in this case, um, he he did mention that it it isn't worth making a long-term bet on the US government, um, at least not on its debt. So he's expecting um, the 30-year Treasury to actually continue to move up because the economy is still very strong, the inflation is still pretty persistent here at about 3.5% to 4%. So um, talking about where the US Treasury 10-year yield here um, going right now, um, this is a down for me because, you know, it seems like there is some, there is some actually um, um, a, a room you know, potentially, you know, where there might be a higher rates for longer environment and it could mm. be actually extended here
1: very good out, uh, very good point that you pointed out here going up it 's all inversely related right to the stock market so yep i think i 'm going to go with it down for this one as well next on the list we have got Nike
0: mm, so Nike actually missed revenue expectations uh, recently uh, they released their first their fiscal first quarter earnings and for the first time in two years they they missed revenue expectations, but they did beat expectations on earnings and gross margin estimates. So this is an up for me. Um, sales their, their sales in China grew by 5% compared to a year ago to $1.7 billion. So this only fell short of the $1.84 billion that analysts had expected. However, mm-hmm. if you see their their earnings per share, it actually grew up to $0.94 cents per share versus the, 90, the $0.75 cents, uh, shares expected by analysts.
1: Yeah, we are, I mean, we're seeing a similar tone across... I mean, globally, right? Consumers, uh, they may be spending less, especially in China as well. But uh, it looks like they're still, they're still quite optimistic in the market. So I'm still going to go with an up for Nike. Next up, we've got GameStop.
0: Mm. So GameStop is an up for me after it announced that billionaire activist investor Ryan Cohen will take over as the video game retailer's chief executive, chairman and president effective immediately. So um, this really came as the... Uh, GameStop's board I unanimously voted to appoint the entrepreneur as the retailer's top executive two days ago.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, right, he was uh, previously holding the title of executive chairman and is, uh, will be stepping down from the road from his latest appointment as well. But I believe he is the founder of Chewy as well, the pet food re- retailer who became known as the king of meme stocks, you know, so uh, I, I think I'm going to go with up for this one. Mm. Alright, next one we have got VinFast.
0: So... If I take a look at VinFast, um, so far they said that it expects to deliver forty 000 to 50,000 vehicles in 2023 despite a weak global economy. So that's almost seven times the 7,400 electric vehicles it sold last year. And all of it is all in Vietnam. Um, however, it has only hit 23% of its target so far. So while it has been growing very aggressively, um, it sort of falls, falls flat on its expectations. So for me, this is a down for me for
1: VinFast. Okay, VinFast. I'm going to go with uh, down as well because, I mean, we have got analysts thinking that having to deliver as many as 50,000 vehicles may be a little bit unrealistic for them, a far reach for them. Last on the list, it's hard to ignore. It's a big news all across uh, the various news stations. We have got Evergrande.
0: Okay, Evergrande is a down for me after it said that its billionaire chairman Hui Ka Yan is suspected of committing crimes and escalating the legal peril for a tycoon, whose, um, you know, real estate conglomerate is has put investors, homeowners, suppliers with billions of losses. So this doesn't really come as a very positive news for China Evergrande.
1: Yeah, it comes, you know... A day after it was announced that he was uh, uh, taken away by the Chinese police as well, not certainly not very good news for them. I mean, like Evergrande is still sitting at the center of years-long property crisis that's hurting the Chinese economy. You know, it's hurting the confidence in the housing market as well. So I'm gonna go with a down for Evergrande. Wonderful. Thank you as always, Willie, for this comprehensive breakdown of market view. So keep it right here with us on Money FM 89.3.
0: Before acting on the information on Money FM. Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.
1: To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.